InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. The Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, is considered to be the biggest and most impactful civil rights legislation ever passed in the U.S. Joining us to discuss this law on its 25th anniversary is Leonard J. Davis, author of Enabling Acts. He's a professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Your book tells the story of how this piece of legislation came to be, but your interest in this goes back to your childhood. Tell us a little about that. Well, my parents were both deaf, so I grew up in a deaf household. And one of the things that I came to realize was that life back before the ADA, particularly for deaf people, was very, very difficult. I mean, they didn't have their civil rights in the sense that they were unable to do the simplest things that anybody else could do because there were no interpreters available. They couldn't go to the doctor, they couldn't go to a law court, and obviously there was no teletypewriters, there was no TTDs. The example I always use is if somebody went over our house, they had to write a letter to us. My parents had to write back and say they would be there, and then the person had to come over at a particular hour. There were no spontaneous drop-bys, and if people did try to ring the doorbell to the front door, very often my parents wouldn't know that they were there. Of course, back in those days as well, if you were someone who got around in a wheelchair, life could be very, very difficult at that time, right? That's correct. Nowadays, we see wheelchairs scooting all over the place, power chairs. But in those days, before curb cuts, I mean, essentially, you were confined to your home because you couldn't maneuver the streets, you couldn't hold a job down, you couldn't take a bus to work, you couldn't take the subway or trains. Nothing was accessible. So literally, the environment barriers were preventing you from having a normal life, and that is part of your civil rights. So tell us how this law got started. It kind of bubbled up from some different sources, I guess, right? Yeah. Part of the beginnings of it were that a group of hippies, essentially, came to Washington to try to prevent cuts to already existing legislation for people with disabilities. They ended up through a kind of funny situation where they were crashing on the floor of a guy whose name was Evan Kemp. And he turned out to be like an incredible bridge player. And he had a Thursday night bridge game that would go on. And one of the people who came to the bridge game was the guy named C. Boyden Gray, who was, as it turns out, the legal counsel to Bush Sr. And at that point, George Bush Sr. was the vice president of the United States, and then he became president. So these hippies sort of suddenly had a mainline connection with the White House. And that really helped further the idea of the ADA. There were a lot of people involved, and it wasn't an easy bill to get passed. It was a very big, wide-ranging bill. But they did have the support of the White House and George Bush. They had the support of Republicans and Democrats. So the bill was a bipartisan bill, and it was kind of a model of the kind of bipartisanship that we can't have today. I mean, in the book, I interviewed Bob Dole and Tom Harkin and a number of other senators and congressmen, and they all said the same thing, which is that the ADA would never pass today. It could never pass. Our guest is Leonard J. Davis, and he's the author of Enabling Acts, and we're talking about the Americans with Disabilities Act. And actually, disabled Americans, it says, are the largest U.S. minority. Is that correct? Yes, it is. There's no other minority group, unless you consider women minorities, but there's no other minority group that comes to the number, which is about 18.5% of the country are people with disabilities. So I think African Americans are about 12%, Hispanics maybe more like 14 So yeah, it is the largest minority group, and most people, I think, don't realize that. And when you think about that, that's why the ADA is so important, because 
as with all other minority groups, the people with disabilities at some point were the only group that didn't have civil rights legislation. So, you know, you figure now you're covering about a fifth of the population with the ADA, and it's been that way for 25 years. And I guess the interesting thing is that anyone could become a member of that minority at any point in their lives, depending on health issues, injuries, and so on. That's correct. And a lot of the reasons that people don't like to think about disabilities is because they could become disabled overnight. I mean, I know I'm not going to become an African-American person tomorrow. I'm not going to become a woman unless I spend a lot of money on that. (laughs) But, you know, just the swerve of a car can make a person become disabled. You know, aging also increases the possibility of being disabled. I think something like 50% of people over 65 are disabled. You know, we're talking about something that actually affects almost everybody. Whether you become disabled or whether you have a relative or friend who's disabled, it touches so many people across the country. Well, your book details all the twists and turns to this law finally becoming a reality. What were some of the maybe close calls that happened in there, if you could touch on that? It was not necessarily a slam dunk, and there are lots of snags along the way. I mean, one is that the White House and the Senate were having a lot of trouble agreeing on what that bill was going to look like. And really, the debate is over how business-friendly the bill is going to be, and also friendly to the issues around church and state. And it looked like that they were not going to come up with a compromise. So in the book, I discovered from my reportage that there were secret meetings that took place and that were sort of illegal given the terms of the way that the Senate and the House and the White House work. But in those meetings, they were able to cobble out a lot of the differences. So that was one point, and it passed the Senate. The House was more complicated. It had to go through many more committees and subcommittees because it was such a wide-ranging bill. It covered everything from transportation to communication to job discrimination to housing. I mean, it's quite a lot. And at some key point toward the end, a Democrat senator named Chapman proposed an amendment because this was in the sort of heyday of people not really understanding AIDS and HIV but being scared. He proposed an amendment that people who handle food should not be HIV positive or should not have AIDS. And part of the rationale for all the people who had been pushing the ADA was that they didn't want any group to be carved out. They weren't going to throw any particular group under the bus. And now it suddenly looked like people with HIV, which at that time was also a code word for gay, were going to be excluded from the act. And it really looked at that point like there wasn't going to be an ADA because the proponents were going to pull it if that was going to happen. And at the last minute, in a back room somewhere in the House, a compromise was worked out to let the science rule rather than anyone's individual feelings so that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, would come out with a list every year of what diseases could be transmitted by food handlers. And that's still in the works today. But that almost threw things into a tizzy. But luckily, they worked it out, and the bill is a model of bipartisan agreement. Our guest is Professor Leonard J. Davis of the University of Illinois, and his book is Enabling Acts about the Americans with Disabilities Act. So once they actually passed the law and they had it all in writing, I guess the hard part then was to implement it and set up deadlines. Did it take years more before the world had changed to accommodate everyone? Well, certain elements kicked in immediately. But there was a lot of phase-in, and that was part of the negotiations is how long would it take to phase-in, let's say, wheelchair lifts on buses or accessible railroad stations. You know, there are some elements of that bill that still haven't been implemented. I mean, the railroad stations 
25 years later are still not accessible, the majority of them, because they were given, I think, a 20-year time to phase in, and they couldn't even make that. But the essence of the bill came into agreement within the three or four years, two or three, four years. The problem was, after the bill got passed and implemented, there was a series of legal cases that came up that sort of ended up weakening the bill a lot. I mean, these were Supreme Court decisions and the like. And it wasn't until 2007 that a new, an amended ADA came in and took care of the problems that were coming up in court. Have there been abuses of the law, things that could be reformed today? There are definitely problems with the law. I mean, no law is perfect. And it's been a very, very effective law. But the one area that has not been very effective is the issues around employment. The current unemployment rate for people with disabilities is about 80%. I mean, there's no group in the United States that has an 80% unemployment rate. There are complicated reasons for why that is. The law itself is an anti-discrimination law, but it's not a law that says, hey, you got to hire people with disabilities. So that's definitely one area that needs to be worked on. Other than that, for the most part, the law has been pretty effective. I won't say 100%, but it's definitely changed the way the world looks. Now we have every single corner in the United States and every town has got a curb cut. Anybody who refuses to hire someone who has a disability, who can handle the job, will be liable to a lawsuit. And I think people are aware of that. You know, buildings are more accessible. Sign language interpreters are provided on a regular basis. Captioning on TV for deaf people is all over the place. So it's really become part of the environment. We're no longer shocked to see uh, wheelchair lifts on buses. We expect to see them. And that's sort of an interesting point because one of the biggest areas was Greyhound fighting the law tooth and nail because they said, if you make us put wheelchair lifts on buses, and also this is true for municipalities, we'll go broke. And it seemed like at the time, wow, that is a big thing to put a wheelchair lift on every single bus. But now we don't even notice it. So I think the law has been tremendously effective because it's changed the environment to some point where we're not even aware that these things are there. The book is Enabling Acts, the hidden story of how Americans with Disabilities Act gave the largest U.S. minority its rights. Professor Leonard J. Davis is the author, and you can visit his website, leonarddavis.com. That's L-E-N-N-A-R-D-D-A-V-I-S.com. Professor, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you so much. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.